Welcome to Banter. My name is Rohan Anand, and I'm joined by my weekly guest, Matt Gregg. That's me. Weekly guest. Weekly weekly co-host. <laughs> Actually, the guest that we do have for the week is Abby Goldstein, joining us from Detroit, Michigan. Abby, how are you doing today? Yay! I'm so good. I'm so excited to chat with you guys. Abby is one of my good friends from Chicago and from Dallas, and we've worked together in the past. In fact, Abby has been my boss at one point. And Abby is now in the city of rock and roll, relocating from one big D to the other. And that's why. To the other bigger D. To the other bigger D. And a little bit of trivia for you guys. According to Abby, Detroit is not only the home of rock and roll these days, but it also seems to be uh, an EDM paradise. Did I get that right? Yes. Everybody rages it. Every day you learn something new. So, banter listeners. You learn something new. (laughs) Yes, for real. Uh, so banter listeners, we have something exciting we'd like to announce. We have launched an Indiegogo campaign for a little bit of funding. As you know, Matt and I have been doing this podcast for a few weeks now. And as much as we love doing it each week, we're also ready to upgrade our equipment. So you can check out our link to our Indiegogo funding campaign, which is on our website. It's also going to be available on iTunes, as well as the SoundCloud and Facebook page that we have. And if you have any feedback for us, you know that our email address is banterpodcast at gmail.com. This week, we have an exciting episode lined up for you titled Gone Too Soon, where we talk about artists that have left this earth before we were ready to say goodbye. And that is why we're bringing in Abby, who is probably one of the biggest princesses I know of not just rock and roll, but pop, hip-hop, and everything in between. But first, as always, new music. music. Okay, so we have quite a list this week because there's been just a, a plethora of songs that have come out that we have to address. So uh, we have to start with uh, Lana Del Rey featuring The Weeknd on a the title track of her new album, Lust for Life, with the song Lust for Life. Um, this song is very slow. It is um, sensual. And uh, it's okay. I thought it was okay. It's okay. It's like uh, they're, they're, just, they're, they're fighting to be who, who can be sexier on the track. It's better than summertime exactly. sadness. <laughs> yes. And unfortunately, in that battle, nobody wins. <laughs> so, uh, moving on, uh, Paramore just released a new song called Hard Times, and they have deviated a little bit away from that punk rock roots that they had, but the song is awesome. Also, Haley Williams is blonde now. That's hot news. That is hot news. Also, Katy Perry's blonde now. That is now. pretty hot. And short hair. Yeah, she went full Miley. Yeah, we talked oh, about this wow. a little bit earlier, right? The the, oh, the yeah. Mileyization of Katy Perry. She's going through her Miley phase right now. Oh, oh, yeah, we can and we can discuss her new track that just came out. Um, when I find uh, Bon Appetit featuring Migos, <laughs> it's it's very uh, so it's very like the new Drake song Passion Fruit. You're right. I it's didn't got, even think about that. It's very drum and beat. You know, when I was listening to it earlier today, I was like, this sounds like something I just heard recently, and now it makes sense. Full circle, passion fruit. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, it's it's the, the three artists making all of the music for everybody. I would rate my reaction to the song on the same level as the one that got away. You know what I mean? It's like, oh. it's like on a scale of one to ten, I'd give it a six. Yeah. It's not like, not as good as, I don't know, 
you, you truly do have to give her credit for making food <laughs> into like a porno for three yeah. and a half minutes. So <laughs> I've never been so turned on by pancakes. Above and beyond the music video for California Girls. But hey, who are we talking? Oh, and she was was that the one where she had the the whipped cream? The whipped cream upon her breasts. Oh yeah, the, the whipped cream bra, the famous whipped cream boob. Taking out gummy bears for nipples. <laughs> Do you think that was a shout to her song, I Kissed a Girl, with the cherry chapstick because now she was having the cherry nipples? These are just the questions that keep me up at night. Yeah. Moving on. Uh, Charlie Puth had a new song called Attention, and it started out, and I was like, oh, I'm going to fucking hate this song. I love this song. It, like, yeah. It's one of those. It, it, it just starts really slow, but then the bass just, funk bass just, boom, boom, ding, 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 boom, boom. and that's how the song doesn't sound, but it's, you know what I'm saying? It's a, it's a really good track. <laughs> I was I was pleasantly surprised by Charlie. Uh, it's it's a good it's a good song. Check it out. Um, next song, "Hate That You Know Me" by Bleachers off a new album coming out. Uh, I would assume this summer, featuring the one, the only, the beautiful Carly Rae Jepsen, fresh off combo. her album "Emotion." It's a. I, I wish she had a bigger role in the song. Oh, it's my only complaint. But hey, it's still like a really nice mashup of some really good artists. You know what I just realized is. Especially on "Don't Take the Money," like he had Lordy on that song, Lord Lo, or Lorda, Lorda, Lorda. No period at the end yet, and no no all caps quite yet. No, we haven't hit that yet. But yeah. but but Lord, she played a quite a subtle role in that song, and now you get to this song, and Carly Rae's playing a very subtle role in this song. Do you think he's just got a little bit of an ego, or is, are is he just friends with all these artists, and he's just like, hey, I just need you to like. Scratch my back. Just the top, though. Well, if you think about it, Carly Rae's done that before with, like, Owl City and, you know, other bands. So yeah, it's kind of like her place, I guess, in, in uh, certain contexts. Yeah, but if you had Owl City on a song, I would put them so far in the background <laughs> that I actually didn't even give them a microphone. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, all her, all her singing is, we don't even have to try. It's always a good time. I mean, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> we'll move on. Uh, Incubus had a new album come out. This is huge news. Throwback. It's called Eight. Um, it's their eighth album. It adds up. It's great. If you like their old stuff, it's great. If you don't like their old stuff, what's wrong with you? Listen to this new album, Eight. It's really good. Um, moving on. I'm the One by DJ Khaled. Khaled. Featuring <laughs> Justin Bieber, who's been a very busy beaver lately. <laughs> Chance the Rapper, one of my favorite um, rappers right now. <laughs> That's up. And then uh, and, and, and Little Wayne. Little Wayne. Is also on the track. And he's, well, everyone's heavily auto-tuned on the song, but uh, I found it pleasant on the ears. It's a very simple song, but it's just very nice. It's, it's, it's all about finding someone, that special someone at the club, wherever. And, and, and have we ascertained where this the club is? Because all of these rappers seem to be frolicking to it the club is it one club or is is it a, a like a, a a metaphor for clubs i wonder if it's in some random place like sandusky ohio oh, or like great scenery reno nevada i don't know but and they're like you know the, the club the club <laughs> and, and the new thing rappers are talking about is finding a pretty girl to grind on your belt buckle oh why isn't little ricky invited to that party or pretty ricky sorry <laughs> <laughs> it's the worst mis- <laughs> I can't I can't do the misogyny too much in these songs, but it's just the silliest form of misogyny that's that's floating around. Look, there. I'm 
I'm not going to be grinding on any buckle because most likely that thing's probably going to snag my tights or whatever outfit I'm wearing, and then I'm going to be super pissed. <laughs> this is why banter loves to have female guests. It's great perspective. Um, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that song's called I'm the One. Get to check it out. Uh, moving on, uh, Wale just came out with the new album, another rapper. Uh, the song's called My Love. It's produced by Major Lazer, featuring Wizkid. Uh, it's one of my favorite songs that came out this past week. It's very happy. Um, I don't know what else to say about it, but listen to it. Moving on, uh, Lindsey Buckingham just came out with a new song, and uh, it is off a tour that he is going on right now with one of the former members of Fleetwood Mac. Well, he is a, another former member of Fleetwood Mac, but uh, the song is called Feel About You, and it is disappointingly terrible i wasn't sure if i was listening uh, to former members of fleetwood mac or the monkeys it is so bubblegum pop ugh. i mean this is coming from the man that penned the song go your own way and this is what we got so if you if you're listening out there if you have ears close them up zip them tight and move on to the next song that we will discuss which is guan by rostam one of the founding members of vampire weekend uh the creative genius behind Vampire Weekend. I don't want to give him all the credit because Ezra Koenig is a phenomenal musician, but um, yeah, Rostam's. We we get it. He's 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 the he's the heavy lifter in Vampire Weekend. But uh, he just had a new song, Guan, come out. It is beautiful. A lot of strings. Uh, it's very reminiscent of Yonsei, a name I like to throw around a lot because I also <laughs> like his music a lot. Uh, check it out. Uh, very exciting news. Um, Prince is so. Posthumously, they are releasing a bunch of new music that Prince had stored in his vault. Uh, in Tinhassen, Minnesota. In Minnesota. And uh, there's a new song that was released that was previously unreleased off of the album Purple Rain that is now out on all of the streaming platforms, and it is called Electric Intercourse. And uh, it is yes. a, it's, a, it's about having sex with electricity. Yeah. And only Prince could do it, and it is great. Oh. Oh. Ugh, that's all I can say. We're gonna go. Ugh, ugh. we're gonna go quickly. Ugh, ugh, we're gonna go quickly through the rest. Oh God. Ugh. Uh, couple ugh. more. Ugh. <laughs> I'm done. No, I'm not. Ugh. One more. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, uh, a couple more. I'm just gonna run through these phases by Maggie Jordan. Great song. Uh, Haley Steinfeld, a uh, famous actress from the movie True Grit, the reboot of the '80s film with John Wayne. Uh, has a new song out called Most Girls, and it's good. It, it was it's speech- slower, but it's good. It was slower, but it, it, it was good. It was, it, was, uh, it was featured on Teen Party Playlist on Spotify this week. So a hey. playlist I have to say I actually like a lot. Hey, you know, banter's getting it out there for all types of listeners. Hey, we already had our I Have No Shame episode, so anything that I say from now on, you can just pretty much imagine that I don't care anymore. <laughs> right. I, the heart knows what it wants. <laughs> um, yeah. Willie Nelson just released a new album. Uh, it's called God's Problem Child. Um, if you like country, it's great. If you're like me and you don't like country, go ahead and skip over it. Uh, let's go whoa, two more. Uh, Kygo, the Swedish EDM bro that likes to play the, the little music box sounds in his soft and slow EDM rhythms. Just and remix Marvin Gaye songs. Remix him. Oh, that sexual healing remix was it's phenomenal. phenomenal. Yeah, phenomenal. Did we just say phenomenal simultaneously? Yes, sir. Oh, <laughs> that's what it's all about. Um, he just came out with an al- a song with Ellie Golding, who's who's been 
very quiet lately. She took a little of a hiatus, but I'm glad to see she's she's singing again, getting those pipes warmed up. Yeah, I mean, she needed a hiatus. She had so many like amazing streaks between twenty, I want to say twenty eleven and twenty fourteen. Oh, and then when you got the freaking Ed Sharon Wolf writing diss tracks about you, <laughs> I'd be pissed off too. <laughs> Like Ed, you're not kidding anybody. I don't care if you're friends with Tay Tay, one of my true loves. <laughs> Knock it off, dude. Ellie's a, Ellie's doing. She's she's a wonderful. She's a wonderful being. Don't touch what you can't have. That's right. Uh, and yeah. Then, and then uh, oh, I'm sorry. There's two more. Frank Ocean just came out with another new song, Lens. There has to be an album coming out. I don't know when. I haven't seen anything released on it, but uh, it's it's very reminiscent of his song Novocaine, which is the song that I actually got into him with a long time ago which I have also included on this week's playlist. And I've also thrown in a couple of extra songs because I'm going to start doing a little playlist roulette. So maybe I'll throw in some just old songs that you haven't heard in a while just because that's what this is all about. And you can do what you want. And then finally, Rohan, I, I'd like to let you take the lead on this last one. Oh, man. So for those of you who are into the Beebs, who's, as Matt said, been a busy beaver, uh, and also have a little <laughs> bit of a, a, a flair for Latin pop music, uh, I myself have always been a Luis Fonsi fan for about 10 years after his breaking song back in 2007, No Te Cambio Por Ninguna, which means I won't change you for anything. Whoa. The Beebs has now collaborated with Mr. Fonsi as well as Daddy Yankee, who is famous for that famous song. <laughs> back in 2004. That is Daddy Yankee, my friend. I had no idea. And you know what? Sadly, we didn't cover Daddy Yankee when we talk about reggaeton music in episode two. So I apologize to you, Daddy Yankee, if you're listening to this. We'll do a reggaeton episode. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but anyway, so back to the song, Despacito is the song that has been produced by the Beebs as well as Luis Fonsi and Daddy Yankee. There's already a couple of mixes that are out there right now that are super poppy and techno-y. Um, but for the most part, this has been a pretty groundbreaking album. I mean, it is one of the first times that Bieber has decided to go Latin. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's it's sexy. I mean, all I have to say is, is that it's got it's got phenomenal lyrics in it. They're rich lyrics. Um, it's not overly. Uh, how do I say this without offending Pitbull? Uh, cheesy. <laughs> oh, I was going to say shitty. Oh, shitty. Oh. Just let's be on. Let's be honest. Um, but let's Beyonce. Um, oh please, <laughs> I mean, the the thing is, is that there's no none of this like you know overplayed use of uh, rhythm and 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 in the type of instruments that used to be, you know, it, it's like it's actually the the way that it's broken down between all three artists is actually really evenly distributed, which I think gives it a really nice crisp mm-hmm. product at the outset. And may to close us out, may I do a dramatic reading of the chorus? Absolutely, English. take it away. Slowly, I want to breathe on your neck. Slowly, that's Despacito. Slowly, let me whisper things in your ear so that you remember when you are not with me. Slowly, I want to undress you with kisses. That sounds hard. (laughs) Slowly, (laughs) sign the walls of your labyrinth and turn your entire body into a manuscript. (laughs) Slowly. <laughs> There's nothing sexier than manuscripts. And being, I know. And, and being disrobed with kisses, I guess. It sounds so much better in Spanish. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. It, it all gets lost in translation. Okay, and with that, we are, we are done with... New, new-
music. Thank you, Matt, for that yeah, amazing yeah. delivery. So now we're going to dig into the core segment. This is probably one of the um, one of the most looked forward to podcasts that I think that we've been wanting to record with all of the artists that we just simply weren't prepared to say goodbye to. Um, we're going to cover fourteen of them in this in this episode today. So hang on to your seats. Um, but the first one that I'm going to start with, and this is where we kick it over to Miss Abby Goldstein, is to talk about an artist that we've actually brought up a few times and one of Matt's favorites as well. By the name of David Bowie. David Bowie. So David. Mr. David Bowie. Mr. David Bowie. So about a year ago, Abby and I used to work together uh, at uh, a yoga studio, and, and Abby was my boss there. And Abby is one of the best yoga studio yoga instructors that I know. Um, and I, I think that uh, her David Bowie tribute class was probably one of the most inspiring ones that I've ever taken. She themed it. She taught it. Um, and Actually, every time that I hear the name David Bowie, I think of Abby because, I mean, I think that his his passing hit you pretty hard, right? Can we get a little emotional here? Is that okay, Abby? Oh, my gosh, yeah. And not only did it impact me, but I know that it impacted everybody around our community because we are all such big music lovers. And I just think as a community, it was really important for us to come together and say goodbye. Um, so I know it was important for me to put together a tribute shortly after hearing of his passing and just celebrate um, the, his life and um, his encouragement to be whoever whoever you want to be and, right. and continue to celebrate that light. And I just remember being in the room and we had this awesome playlist going of all of the best you know, and every Bowie song is like the best Bowie song, but his classics. And I remember just being towards the end of class and we were all in tears, just mm -hmm. appreciating the beauty that he left behind. Um, I mean, it, it's something that I'll always remember too, completely. And I think that the theme that you mentioned about learning how to be who you are is, is a common theme that we find among a lot of the artists that we said goodbye to really early. Uh, and maybe that's what makes it harder for us, right? Is that the people that we, we, we love so much are trying to tell us to be who we are in our own skins, and then, you know, then they, they leave us. Yeah, and... And doesn't it seem... Yeah, sorry, Matt, but it, doesn't it seem like the brightest lights always burn burn out the fastest yeah and it's funny you say that because so when david died his his last album black star that came out was it, it it had a very cool vinyl pressing but what we didn't know about it was that if you took the liner notes and you put them in sunlight it would release it, it would leave a constellation imprint on the liner notes that you couldn't see unless you put it in sunlight so it's really? like David is shining down from heaven and releasing like another episode of you know Ziggy Stardust onto <laughs> oh the goodness. album itself. Yeah, exactly, exactly, and that's kind of you know, and and that's kind of what his track Lazarus is or Lazarus rather um, is kind of has that air of that is that he's like up in this beautiful sky kind of looking down from space at, at this world. Um, and God, that's one of my favorite features of the album too, is he really left that album for us to say goodbye himself. 
And it's and you feel it, you feel it in the music. Oh yeah, and and then there's apparently two or three more albums that he had recorded that he planned to be released later. So we could be getting some more stories from David posthumously. Uh, something to look forward to. So why don't we go around and say our favorite songs? Uh, I mean, other than the ones that we talked about on the podcast in the past. Mine, mine is under pressure, so I'll I'll take that right there. Abby, would you say Lazarus is one of yours? Um, I think. I think that was probably one that really struck a chord with me. I really love, um, God, there's so many to pick from. I think really love probably Life on Mars. Okay. I don't know. There's so many to pick from. This is like picking your favorite child. It's stressful. Or Space Oddity. Space Oddity. That was a good yeah, one. Yeah, Space Oddity, hands down. Mine was easily the the song from Labyrinth. <laughs> you remind me of the babe. What babe? The babe with the power. What power? Power of voodoo. And anyways, <laughs> Labyrinth soundtrack is getting a vinyl press. That's pretty exciting. Yeah. There you go. Uh, it makes me That's sad. That's really exciting. I know. Uh, that was such a good... It was so Bowie. We, we, get, we may or may not be in tears by the end of this episode, so just put it out there. <laughs> Putting that out there. So moving on to a number two is Aliyah. <laughs> so Aliyah is, is special to me because she and I share the same birthday, January 16th. She was born uh, 1979, so she's a couple years older than I am. Um, creepy beginnings with R. Kelly, let's, let's be honest and just get that out of the way. Uh, she was married to him briefly when she was 16, uh, and that's when that whole uh, age ain't nothing but a number uh, a series started back in the mid-90s. Definition of woof. Um, but, you know, his mentorship actually just kind of inspired her to, to, to very similar to David Bowie, just be who you are. And, um, you know, she was very progressive for her time. She was uh, uh, big on embracing sex appeal. She wore a lot of baggy clothing just for the hell of it. She was just naturally gorgeous, but she didn't feel any ashamed to be, like, who she was or be someone that she wasn't. Um, she cared a lot about her health. Did you know that she graduated from high school with a 4.0? What? Yeah, from uh, a high school in Detroit. Um, she oh, the she, biggest, the bigger D. Yeah, the bigger D. Yeah. Um, the the bigger D. The bigger D. Um, the sad thing is, is that she had so much talent. She was an actress. Um, she actually was going to play a big role in the 2003 film Honey which uh, featured Missy Elliott. She was actually um, a big-time worker with Missy Elliott in Timbaland. So for those of you who remember these artists back in uh, the late 90s and early 2000s, you know, Get Your Freak On and, um, you know, all these, uh, all these other jams that we loved. Um, my favorite album was Aliyah, which came out in July 2001, about a month before her death. Uh, and then she went to the Bahamas in late August. I think it was August 25th, 2001. Uh, to film Rock the Boat. And the sad thing is, is that after she finished uh, recording for this, she decided to leave early with her uh, with her assistants and with her uh, producers, and her pilot loaded up the plane. It was too heavy. She wanted to get off. He said, no, we shouldn't do this, but he went anyway. And then the plane crashed just off the runway, later to find out that he had, uh, the pilot had cocaine and alcohol in his blood. So, so, so sad ending. Imagine. Yeah, absolutely sad ending. Um, 
she was, uh, like I said, uh, she was going to be a big thing. And I think that, uh, you know, it kind of ended on a bittersweet note. But one of my favorite uh, Jay-Z songs, actually, that's a very subtle one, is a tribute to Aaliyah, which is actually a, a tribute that was mixed off of her song, I Miss You. And that came out in 2003, and I just remember listening to that when I was in high school, and you know, it it, it struck it struck something deep within me. So, um, Aaliyah is just you know one of those artists that I I absolutely have always adored. Um, but that's just me. So, yeah. Yeah, she's not somebody that I listen to as much, but I, I certainly respect what she did for the genre. Absolutely, she was crazy talented. Yeah, exactly. I remember kind of waking I, I remember waking up getting ready for school and hearing on like MTV news yeah in the, it, like as they're like playing it about like the plane crash and everything and just feeling just so horrible I mean you you physically feel that energy in the universe when somebody so influential as David Bowie, Aaliyah, all of these other amazing artists, you, you feel the heaviness in the world. Yeah. Um, so I remember g- going in just all throughout the day, everybody was talking about it and sad and listening to her music, remembering her. So it was such an impactful day. Definitely. I, and I was pretty young, too. I, I wasn't too too much into her music at the time, but being being young at that time, I mean, it's it still hit it, it hit home, you know. Yeah, I was I was in middle school, I think, when it happened. So, yeah, tough times. Two thousand one, weird year. Um, yeah. M- moving on to number three, Janis Joplin. Abby, this is Janice. one of your Janis. Take it away. I just had my twenty eighth birthday, which means I survived the twenty seven club. Um, <laughs> and when I think right, I know when I think about it. Janice left this world when she was my age. And I remember thinking, learning about Janice Joplin when I was little, thinking, oh, my God, 27 seems you know, like so late in life, a little bit later in life. It just seems so old. And now being that age, I think she was just like me. She was just a kid. Like, I feel like I'm just a kid. You know, what do I know? But to be that age and be so influential in the music and during that time, um, it, it's just blowing my mind more now than it ever did in the past. And God, I just love watching documentaries about her life and how she was. Um, there was a documentary. I, it may or may not still be on Netflix, but the Janice documentary on Netflix, I recently watched it and it just, I ended up in tears because of who she was, the insight into who she was as a person behind her musical persona. I mean, she was just this this humble girl, just so humble, so sweet. Um, I, I just, I, I wish I could travel back in time just to have a conversation with her. So she died in the early 1970s, and of a heroin overdose or accidental heroin overdose. And uh, do you think that that was kind of common for, for in that, in that age, you know, not too long after just kind of, you know, women's suffrage and, you know, uh, feminist movements and all that, that, you know, the stardom was just very tough for, for young female artists like her. I think so. I think it was really, I think it weighed heavy on her. She, 
you know, being in the public eye, that's, that's like a gift and a curse. It's a gift that you get to share your light with everybody, but it's also a curse because you are in the public eye so much. You are, you know, scrutinized under every, you know, press, audiences, everywhere. And, it, you know, running streams throughout all of our favorite artists, they found a way to escape. Right. And a lot of times that escape was through drugs and alcohol. Um, and that was her escape. She she needed to be free. And um, and I, I really do think she she was too big for this world. Right. Right. And so, you know, sometimes you have to tell yourself, you know, moving on it's it's, it's going to be it's going to be better for you um the the one thing i did want to mention is that she and and i actually forgot to mention this for david bowie um was inducted post posthumously into the rock and roll hall of fame so about half of the artists that we're going to talk about today are hall of rock and roll hall of fame inductees so um, giving that tribute where it's due yeah and i i think we should probably hit pause right now and talk about the 27 club just in case people don't know what we're talking about uh so there's this there's something like 60 some odd artists that have all died at the age of 27 and uh, there are including the likes of Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix, Kurt Cobain, um, Jim, Jim Morrison, yeah. oh, mm -hmm. Amy, Amy Winehouse and uh, it, there's all these theories out there like you know numerology because the sets of numbers happen in nine so it was the end of a set of numbers or there's these theories that they made a deal with the devil and this kind of, I mean, it, you know, it, it's just, it's silly theories or maybe there's some meaning to them, but you know, <laughs> it's just very weird that all these such bigger than life people died all at the same age, you know, so young. So young, but yet they still, you know, gave us so much. Yes. And especially like Kurt Cobain. I mean, they, they change music. I mean, the, you take your, I can't even put it in words just imagining like m at my age changing a genre of music you know how do you it's 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 just phenomenal well while we're on the subject let's move on to Kurt Cobain why not oh my gosh um the guy was a phenomenal lyricist um he he had a, a way of taking what he was going through in his life um and and really bringing that home in a way that that made sense with people, but still in a way that was rock and roll, you know. Right. I mean, uh, he there's there's a lot of there's a lot of good books out there that you know go into maybe he was murdered by Courtney Love and all this stuff. So I, I don't want to kind of talk too much about that because I'd rather focus on his accomplishments. But um, you know, Nirvana was such an influential band in the '90s, uh, and I mean, look at it's just funny watching them and seeing you know, baby Dave Grohl playing drums for them. But just, just thinking how monster of songs these were and how much they influenced rock and roll at the time and got us out of the shitty synth wave of the eighties and brought us into the grunge scene in Seattle, <laughs> starting in someone's yeah. garage <laughs> and talking about, you know, things that are actually, that you're actually going through, not just like down in the city in the city, but you know, we're talking about like, like heart shaped box. It's, it's a very, emotional and and you know very i don't know a personal song but they they do it in such a way that i don't it, it but in that grungy sense it's it was just a very cool mix that they did and it just introduced this whole new wave of music 
Um, I, and also, an, a, another thing about Kurt Cobain that's kind of like a strange fact and maybe unfortunate in his ultimate death, but um, since he was left-handed, the way that lefties play guitar puts a lot of stra weird strain on the back opposite than what right-handed guitarists have. Interesting. It's very strange, but a lot of people say yeah. that all the time he had to practice guitar and everything and was playing guitar, it led to severe back pains and back spasms, so he got addicted to painkillers, and that kind of led him down the road that, you know, eventually may, ha may or may not have led to his death. You know, theories abound on the Courtney Love involvement of that, but it's just... It's so interesting, like if Kurt Cobain had been born right-handed, would he still be alive type of thing? It's just, but I, you know, I don't want to dwell too much in that because, I, I, again, I'd rather celebrate what he did rather than focus on something so macabre. You know, well, and bringing it back around to um, being another artist that is on is encouraging everybody to be unapologetically themselves. His quote that says, I'd rather be hated for who I am than loved for who I am not. I mean, it doesn't get better than that to be like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter talking about you or who's gossiping or, you know, if, if you're being weird, be who you are and, and be unapologetically authentic. Yeah, just like the lyrics for Smells Like Teen Spirit. I mean, as much as that song gets played, the lyrics are phenomenal. Right. That song makes me want to jump up and down. <laughs> you know, actually, you, you know who Kurt Cobain's voice reminds me of, or whose voice reminds me of Kurt Cobain? The lead singer for the band 303. Who? The band 303. Oh. Does that ever strike a, strike a chord with you guys or no? I guess I've never paid attention enough to, yeah. to listen. Yeah. I'll check it out, though. Definitely. So while we're on the subject of being who you are and being yourself, we're going to move on to the master and creator of some of the greatest albums known to mankind who celebrated his one year um the anniversary of his death on april 21st 2017 so literally nine days ago prince and prince was dear to my heart because of the times that i lived in minneapolis and another artist that we've talked about a lot in in the past but focusing less on his death and as matt said more on his music can we all talk just for a second about how throughout the 80s, Prince was consistently putting out new songs, starting all the way back with Little Red Corvette, all the way down to Let's Go Crazy, controversy sometimes in the middle of that, um, Raspberry Bray, and then you know Party Like It's 1999. I think that these are all songs that we remember growing up as 80s and 90s children that gave us a sense of invigoration. And to this day, like... I don't know, I, I react to music in different ways as I grow older, but reacting to Prince songs, I've, it's, the reaction's been the same since I was a kid. What is up with that? It's just, it's, it's kind of like a phenomenon, right? Yeah, I, just I completely agree. I, I feel, so, like whenever I listen to those songs from, from that time, I feel like the sexiest version of myself. And he has that impact. And I feel like I've always been, you know, even growing up listening to his music, he made me super confident in who I was. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, everything about Prince was just so authentic. And he just really He's talked. so cool. He was cool. I mean, especially that first album cover. He's on so his, cool. Where he's just sitting there shirtless with his, you know, Luxury hair and everything, and just 
looking blankly into the camera and you just like who the hell is this guy and then you hear the the songs on that album and you're just like holy shit like this guy this guy <laughs> makes music man like, yeah. it's funny you hear stories about him like he would be a entertaining guest at his house and he would get an idea for a song and he would leave them and go record the song in his studio and then he would come back to the party as if nothing happened <laughs> like yeah. he was just such a he was such a, he was just prince you know he's quirky there's there's no other way i mean he played basketball with charles with charlie murphy <laughs> charlie murphy i mean he's just he's just prince there's no other way to describe him i mean he just the way he portrayed himself, the way he played guitar, his symbol for himself. I mean, getting that notion out there that guys don't have to wear certain types of clothes and can still be considered, you know, what they are. And, you know, right. like conversations we've had a lot where, you know, the ideas that are portrayed for men are silly and, <laughs> you know, they don't all make sense, but it's just what society expects of us. But we're not we don't have to confine to those laws. Right. Like we're we're human beings. We're not meant to be, you know, Abercrombie and Fitch cookie cutouts of each other. Right. It's no fun. No. That's why we have Prince. Exactly. It's so nothing's more attractive than being you. Right. And yeah. The other thing though I found interesting is that I feel like he incorporated some. I, I like for example the, the song "Let's Go Crazy" starts off kind of churchy. Like, it sounds like it, it's being played in a church. And we all know that he had some he had some inner demons to fight with his religious um, conversions, you know, becoming Jehovah's Witness. But, you know, he was raised in such a way that that was a part of his life. Um, and there's like, a, there's like a contrast where it starts off talking, you know, dearly beloved, yada, yada, yada. And then all of a sudden it just kind of like explodes into this like, let's go crazy, let's get nuts. And the, the feeling is almost kind of like you got a little bit of a Kenny Loggins kind of vibe with, you know, a foot loose in there. And it's just, there's something about it that just kind of gives you that energy where you're like, you know, you could start off on a note where you're feeling like you got to confine to whatever norms that you were raised in. But then, you know, you can just kick off your Sunday shoes and like, you know, kind of just dance it off and 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 escape from from the confines of your world and that's one of the main reasons why i love that song so much i mean we listened to it on friday night yeah. they were playing it at the uh yeah. rich girls cover band concert yeah and when doves cry my favorite yeah, yeah my favorite part of that song is when he goes and when the elevator tries to break you down go crazy punch a higher floor just like fight it oh it's so good I mean, I remember I, I actually teared up and was crying when he died. I mean, it, he was, I, I don't know what it is. Absolutely. About Prince, but he's just one of those, he's one of those guys that just, he just brought out the best in people. And I think he, everyone can kind of relate to him in some form. You have some fond memory of either your friends or your family and listening to these songs together and experiencing them. And I think just when, when these people die, it's just like you, 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 it's just a part of you that you you go back to those times and it's just it's just good feelings but yep. you're also sad that the, the person responsible for bringing that out of you right has passed on but you're you're, you're thankful for their legacy absolutely and i have to say i i have to say that i did notice when i was out and about throughout the city um on the 21st like his one year anniversary everywhere i went it seemed like people were playing um, just Prince albums. Every single story I went into, they were just jamming it out, celebrating his life, and that's what he left behind. Um, his celebration. I mean, we're we're keeping it alive. 
Right. We're all still going to be excited about every time we're in a store, anytime we're at a bar or anytime somebody covers it. I, I still think it's going to be this electric, electric vibe, like electricity, right? Like, like his new song coming out, um, his new old song. Right. I mean, it is, it is popable everywhere you go. There are some obscure songs too that I think we all individually liked. Like Matt just mentioned when doves when doves cry, which is so distinctly eighties. It's like and then my favorite my favorite is actually Oshila. Oshila Gonna love you till the morning comes. And so, you know, yeah. <laughs> if you get the chance to hear the song, I could talk about Prince forever. Right. Oh, I could too. Uh, if you get the chance to hear the song "Adore You" live, holy cow, that guy, his voice was so good. <laughs> oh man, oh. we could we could continue to talk about this, but um, we're still kind of processing Prince. But not to get too morbid, we've had a little bit more time to talk and to reflect upon the next person we're going to talk about, which is the one and the only MJ. Um, where do we begin with MJ? You know, again, a topic that I feel like we all knew where we were when we found out that MJ had um, moved on in life. Um, but on a happier note, I want to I want to start by talking about how MJ, similar to Court uh, Cobain and to to Prince, they introduced a new genre of pop within pop. Not Court Cobain within pop, but MJ creating a new. I mean, like it, it's amazing how many people don't like to dance at weddings but the second that the live band plays mj you can see a guy or a girl or whatever that all of a sudden clear the dance floor on either side of them and literally can do the entire dance to thriller oh yeah yeah exactly how does that i mean it, it, it's just like it brings out an energy in people or even just the first three chords of pyt just people just get it <laughs> right Right, or or they know all the beginning lyrics to the song Black or White, like the beginning part where the dad's having right. an argument with his father, mm -hmm. like, you know, eat this. <laughs> and so it, it's like, you know, it, it's funny how these are these are songs that predated, you know, the, um, the more poppy ones like Get Closer. And I mean, not to say that I don't like that song, but, you know, if you're going to give me that versus... Uh, the way you make me feel, you know, oh. there's one that I'm going to karaoke to way more over the other. Let's be honest. Wait, when you put down the, the Creed songs at karaoke and pick up the MJ? Dude, that's a tough toss-up. <laughs> very, very tough. Well, and even going way far back, like Jackson 5 far back. Thank you. I mean, how many times do you hear, like, I, I want you back or ABC and you're like, this will never, ever die. Like never. not only are we going to keep listening to that, but our grandchildren will be busting the same dance moves out when all of these golden gems come on the radio. Right. There's no Selena Gomez that are going to be played in my, my household when I, if I ever in likely will never have children, but okay. I'm not committing to anything like that. Exactly. No, it's going to be MJ or bust. No Selena, no <laughs> Ariana, whatever. Not that I, I mean those cheese pop. I love it. Um, the Jackson five. It's funny you mentioned that Abby. Cause when I was younger, whenever I would go shop at old Navy, I would hear the Jackson five playing. And so sometimes I would like in, Whenever I was at the mall, I wanted to go to Old Navy just simply so I could listen to Jackson 5 because it probably would be playing and then probably would never buy anything. And my mom would be like, why did you waste my time? And I'm like, well, 
I like the music. Um, so I'd say he was hugely big league. A uh, gosh, I'm sorry to use that word, big league. Big but, league. Uh, oh boy, um, I he was such a victim of his circumstances. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine being thrust into the public spotlight? At how old was he when they started the Jackson Five? Was he five? Years I mean, old? a baby. Yeah. He was. Small. I mean, a kid. And they were they were monster band. In the they 70s. were big. And he was in that spotlight for his whole life. Mm-hmm. He was expected to keep his voice at a certain range. I mean, like, can you imagine the development? Right. Of somebody growing up where they're expected to be on it 24-7 right. for years. It was toxic, very toxic. Um, and and he, he crushed through that brick wall, um, you know, and, and that was, I mean, his childhood upbringing, Gary, Indiana, with, you know, his dad and all that, and just kind of like the commercialization of the family, uh, you know, kind of he was treated kind of like Macaulay Culkin from an acting perspective when we get to, you know. Yeah. You know, talking about actors, that's how, you know, banter evolves a little yeah. bit. But, um, you know, he, he crushed through that through the 80s, especially. Um, my favorite compilation was History. And if you ever noticed that on the album, his story, the first three letters are capitalized. So it's, it's history, like kind of referring to him and his journey. Um, and that's where you're going to find some of the most salient uh, 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 ones. Like you're going to find Billie Jean, you're going to find Thriller, you're going to find... Um, you're gonna find uh, uh, black or white. Just a lot of the, a lot of the albums and the in the songs that represented his story, and so that's what I loved. You know, it, it's 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 titled Past, Present, and Future, and got all of those major ones on there. Um, when I was in high school, I just went on a, a downloading spree of all of these songs, and you know, to me, it just, yeah. I mean, like for me, it's it's it, it's emotional. It gets emotional, right. I can't tell you how many times I took my free Willie tape and rewound that thing just to play the music video to Will You Be There. Well, didn't I play it in Shavasana a few times, the times that you took my class, uh, Abby? I feel like totally. I Totally. <laughs> and there was, no, there, there was no way that I wasn't going to sing loud in Shavasana. So <laughs> I'm sorry to everybody that was set up around me. But that song, I mean, it takes you to a whole other place i mean talk about taking it to church that right. really is Ooh, like taking yeah. it to friendship church yeah oh yeah big big time so we could talk about mj kind of like prince and the lot but uh i'm gonna move over to someone that's a little bit more recent in in the uh in the in the in the trail uh and that would be george michael so this is relatively recent uh-huh. uh december 2016 and I think that a lot of people were a little bit ignorant of George Michael and his troubled past. Um, but, you know, I recall the next day when I was driving to work, KERA just, just kind of was like pushing aside the election and all the shit going on in the world. And it was all about George Michael and talking about his life. And it had his ex-partner on there talking about the struggles that he went through. Um, and it actually did a really cool segment on Wham!, just like the whole, um, I mean, Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go, the story behind it. And then, funny enough, I went to South Africa two days later. Sorry not to like sound humble brag, but in the cab when I was going, taking an Uber around Cape Town, same thing. Yeah. They did another segment on the story behind Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go and why he said the word go-go instead of like, you know, Wake Me Up Before You Go. What's the story? 
Um, I kind of forgot. It was something like, you know, he just needed an extra, it, w- it was something subtle. Like he just needed an extra word in order to like fit the lyrics to the beat of the song. Yeah, I guess it would sound weird if it was just like, wake me up before you go. Uh, uh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't leave me hanging on a lot to know. And so um, obviously that was just one of the more famous George Michael songs. But um, let's talk about some of his other songs. Kick it over to you. Uh, I, I, one of my favorite is, uh, uh, well, you, you got to talk about Careless Whisper. I mean, that's such an iconic song in music. But um, I, I, I think one of my favorites of his, and it's, it's not even his song, but he did a uh, he did a version with Elton John, who is one of my favorites of all time. And when he gets added to this list of artists we're talking about that have moved on, mm-hmm. I, I, I will be a wreck. But um, uh, he did a, a a cover with Elton John of "Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me," and they duetted it. I love it. that cover. Oh my God, it was it's so good. I mean, he just he just adds just the two of them together. They just add. It's just too much talent in one song. I know too it's much. Right? Talent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I mean, his album "Faith" is phenomenal. Right. Uh, the song "Faith" is great. Uh, one of my favorite songs on it, "Kissing a Fool." Mm-hmm. Um, just very heartbroken guy. He just had a lot of uh, heartfelt songs, you know. And uh, you know, it's he he means so much to the to music in general but uh, also to the homosexual community i mean he was such a he's such an icon and, and and important you know right especially during the 80s when you know you were going through the aids crisis um i think that one of his first partner or his first true loves was um be, was became hiv positive i believe and oh, really? you know yeah and yeah. so that was that was a huge deal for him and you know i think that he was trying to sort of claimed to be bisexual and like you know he had this relationship with his mother that was really fucked up and then like you know he was trying to like keep a beard but also had this like secret romantic love and again that just kind of that pressure and that 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 uh, you know like the pressure put on the jackson family and michael jackson you know the, the in the stardom and and same with janice joplin you're just seeing a recurring theme where all of these underlying stuff it just it just builds up to these inner demons that are so hard to overcome Right, being the voice of the generation, mm-hmm. so to speak. Right. But, you know, he stayed with us until 2016, so we got a little bit more time with him, which was, uh, which was a nice little gift, I yeah, would say. Yeah, but still, too, too soon. He could too have soon. He had a lot more looking ahead. 2016 was a tough year for, for a lot of our, our favorites. It was. I mean, one after the other after the other. It really was. It, it really was heavy. I mean, that was... That was a rough one. I agree. And I think that and just the negativity of surrounding the election, it was just that gray cloud that's still kind of lingering above us. Yeah. Um, I would actually say that 2009 was also a rough year. Because um, yeah. 2009 was the year we lost MJ. Uh, and 2009 was also the same year that we lost Amy Winehouse. Yeah. So, Right. I, not no no um, offense to George Michael, but moving on to Amy Winehouse. So yeah. I'll be the first to admit I wasn't a huge listener of Amy Winehouse until her death. Um, can you two tell me about how how I mean your affiliation with her? You know, from a listener perspective, and you know when it was her time to go. I mean, she was kind of a a bit of a train wreck during those last couple years. Also, another member of the Twenty Seven Club. Mm-hmm. Oof. I I feel like she came on the scene as this powerhouse voice, and 
I don't think that we had seen musically a, a woman be able to belt out vocals like that since like Motown, like Aretha Franklin. I mean, people compared her to these legends of the past. Yeah, like that. So uh, when she hit the scene, it was a big deal. Yeah, that it, to, to piggyback off you, that that cover that she did of Valerie that Mark Ronson produced. Holy cow! Oh, yeah. Actually, I made a mistake, yeah. guys. She was not. Uh, she she passed in 2011, not 2009. That's so, okay. That's okay. but yeah. Um, so, Amy Winehouse was also British, and the the UK has you know similar to David Bowie and, and all that produced a lot of the the artists that that suffer from the same sort of conundrums that that we find in the U.S., which I found pretty interesting. Um, I think that she similar to like a lot of the um you know the later artists she would she would talk about like her rehab experience in her songs she would talk about her personal struggles struggles in her music and she was so she, she was criticized for it and it's like why are we shaming someone for who's being open about her journey especially british culture where they just shove everything down and repression that's nothing right right so I think that um, you know her um, her last album, which was Back to Black. It was it was posthumously published, and you know there's silver lining and all that. It became one of the UK's best selling albums of the 21st century. So you know there's there is something to be said about you know the gift that they leave us when they leave this earth. So um, right, and she was you know this this big sound to come out of such a little girl. Right. What a phenomenon to to show up and you can close your eyes and hear the soul and hear the magic in her in in her voice. I mean, she definitely had the ability to take you away to such a different place and make you feel like you were some like your craziness was some sort of normalcy to be like. <laughs> Yeah, she's singing about it. Like I'm, I'm right there with her, and this is okay. Right. Yeah, and she was also did a lot of charitable work, uh, which is is great. So she, I, I know there's such a negative persona that's cast over her because of her substance use, but I mean, she was she was a person outside of that. Right. And and I think that's what's terrible about our culture is that we get so caught up on the negative things people do, we forget about. They're people, and can you imagine being in these situations? Like, I, I, I don't, I don't think I'll ever know what it's like to be famous and in these spotlights where you're always in the public and you always have this negative persona over your head, and that's what people expect of you, right? And that's what they're looking for, and that's what they're posting on YouTube. I mean, it's just so sad when you think about it. Yeah, but hey, Amy, if you're listening to this episode, just know that Banter absolutely loves you. This one's for you, Amy. And, this. And everyone else on the list yeah um we're gonna take a, a step back a couple of decades and actually move back to the 70s to talk about jim morrison he was the lead singer for the doors in past in the early 1970s now abby this was this was one of the artists that that you wanted to talk about so i think that um you know we we know that we have a, a very similar pattern of behavior here a wild personality um dramatic death but you know still regarded to be one of the most iconic musicians of our time. Um, so take it away. Well, it's just so, it, it's so funny that so many people are Doors fans 
Oh, but I feel like back in the day in the 70s, people took a little bit of time to get used to what Jim Morrison brought to the stage. And I think it took people time to get used to his his poeticism of his songs and him himself as, as an artist. I think it took people back at first. Um, but, I mean, he really revolutionized music and it just I mean I I believe that he struggled his his whole at least his whole adult life with with being in this world um I think that he saw the world for what it was during that time of change and revolution and I really truly believe that it saddened him quite a bit um to see people in the in this state during that time in the 70s but he truly i i mean this amazing poet first of all right um and and to fight through the like uh, this soul this soul person having a human experience um, again, I think he was too big for this world. Would you say he, that it, it almost feels big, bittersweet? Like his life to me is like, that was kind of a bittersweet life right. for him. Would you say that the, the same sort of, uh, tragedy took place, you know, claiming the life of Jimi Hendrix as well. Uh, again, another member of the 27 club and, you know, again someone that was put into the rock and roll hall of fame and put it out there you know with 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 songs like purple purple haze you know to this right. day to this day one of my favorites but you know um he he was in the US army and you know he he saw just kind of how the 60s overtook america and and basically created this huge um you know, a, a huge kind of counterculture movement. Uh, he was one of the first people to headline at Woodstock in 1969. Uh, and then, you know, he had uh, just a bad experience after, you know, going to the, um, you know, he went to the Isle of Wight Festival in the 1970s and then just had another accidental death from drug overdose. Um, yeah, it, it definitely... Uh, it definitely feels accidental. I don't think any of them really, truly, I mean, Jim Morrison kind of had this obsession with death and, and that, that culture, but I really don't think that any of them wanted to leave this world Yeah. too much. So the use of the early 1970s guitar amplifiers were, were some of the big, I think, drivers behind just the, the, the pop that existed in the songs of both Jimi Hendrix and, and Jim Morrison. Um, that's probably yeah. why I love Purple Haze so much because of the way that it starts off um, and, and how heavy that was. And I don't think that that was something that was typical in the 1960s. No, it was so experimental. Right. I mean, they were just doing something that they just came up with and they were going with it. It, it wasn't your typical, like, bop in your head jams this was like deep in it deep psychedelic stuff right that took you into a trance and took you to a different place and these are songs that really were just jammed out for 
for more than like the traditional three minute, 30 second song. I mean, they just took it and ran with it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I think that, um, you know, kind of staying in that same time frame, we're, we're talking now also Elvis Presley, um, you know, bigger in the yeah. 1960s, but, you know, 1970s also just kind of had that steady decline. But I, I want to talk about the the use of um, the music that Elvis Presley employed. Um, my personal favorite is, is, I mean, I do actually like you know, Hound Dog and Jailhouse Rock just kind of being two of my favorite songs that are the more poppy common songs. Um, but let's talk about the guitar playing at the beginning. And Matt, this is something that I would I would throw over to you. So um, this has got like a lot of the Elvis songs that became the most popular use the a combination of the, the guitar metrics that were popular in the late 60s, late 50s, early 1960s, um, and then had a little bit of a jive vibe to it. Um, how do you, how, how, how would you describe, would you, would you say that Elvis was one of the innovators and creators of that type of music flow? So one thing about Elvis was he took, I mean, he started off as a country artist, right? And, uh, he, he, they, those songs all kind of have a typical four, four, you know, pretty straightforward. Right. And, and, and that, especially in that period, I mean, even Johnny Cash songs back then, they just all. But he took that that meter, and then he he kind of first of all they started distorting the guitar, which was hot shit, dude. Mm-hmm. I mean, like uh, yeah. <laughs> but even if you listen to to songs like Hound Dog, you still get some of that, like But if you listen to the meter, it's more like. You ain't nothing but a junk, 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 So instead of going junk, 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 they go chunk, 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 But it's still in four, four time. So really, you can see this natural progression. Just as technology became more available, we're moving more electric. It made more sense. And but I guess when we got to the '70s and he started wearing the crazy clothes, and you know, we got more into the disco era. He kind of fell into that a little bit too mm-hmm. yeah uh, yeah i would say that he definitely was a pioneer in and, and of course you know there there's roots from all over the place where the where rock and roll comes from but i mean right. he, he definitely was one of the just the heavy hitters in the the rock and roll sphere and taking country and transforming it into something that was different and you know he had the vocals to back it up and he had this just raw sex appeal that ladies went nuts for he actually yeah. uh performed at texas a&m at one point for all the all the core guys <laughs> so that's pretty exciting yeah. but uh yeah i mean he just yeah he just it, and you can really hear it in in his music just taking it from the very beginnings all the way into the more rock and roll and then kind of like the super groovy end of life elvis it, it's really fascinating right completely it, you definitely hear the melting pot of of his background, like his gospel, even bringing that in, oh, yeah. mixing that, you know, with like the, like you said, like the country, um, yeah. rock and roll. I mean, that truly was the melting pot that created rock and roll. Yeah, and the, and the songs like "I Can't Help Falling in Love with You." Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's just purely uh, his gospel coming out, right? The gospel, right? And so, Abby, you went to Graceland this year. Um, quickly, tell us about you know that experience. So it was on the way when I moved from Dallas to today. We cannot resist 
rolling through and stopping by Graceland on a road trip. Um, and just being in his living space, being in the place where he spent most of his time, most of his days entertaining, you know, his, his closest friends and family, I didn't expect to get so misty eyed when, when the tour ended at his gravesite and you're there paying your respects with the eternal flame. I really felt that, that energy. You really, you really miss him. Right. Um, I just stood there and I, I totally teared up because you reflect on all of the things that he, that he brought to this world and Growing up, my parents played Elvis. I remember Elvis as really, really little and just absolutely loving it. And that that'll be passed along forever and ever. I mean, you really, you really meditate on that. And especially when you're like standing right where his resting place is, it, he's still so very alive still in his music today than he was, you know, back then. Right. Absolutely. Um, so Elvis, another person inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, uh, and Graceland's definitely on my bucket list of places to visit. So we're oh, gonna go if you haven't been, you guys, you have to check out Graceland. It's gonna it's happen. It's not for decorating tips for your own home. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. So we're down to our last three, and we're gonna we're gonna go through the 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 list pretty quickly. So. Elliot Smith, uh, died in 2003, uh, born in Omaha, lived most of his life in Portland, uh, big guitarist, but also a very versatile artist as well, big into the, the piano, the, the bassinet, the, um, the drums, clarinet, everything, and, and a, lot of, a lot of harmonica as well. Um, yeah, Elliot Smith means so much to the indie rock scene. Uh, he, oh, totally. He's, so, he's just very passionate and just heartbroken i mean his his song needle in the hay is a great example i mean it's just very raw and I, I it's just taking those those raw emotions and putting them into softer rock i mean it's a it's a direct alternative to you know grunge and just in your face you know hard hitting you know rock and roll now it, let's let's juxtapose that and do more soft piano let's do more acoustic guitar but not like country let's just do like some some very basic chords and tell a story yeah uh, he's I, he was uh he had a terrible life growing up uh died tragically of heartbreak killed himself um and you can just feel that in all of his songs and i think it's just that raw songwriting that people really flocked to his music for and it's inspired so many modern artists uh in the indie sphere um he was definitely a pioneer in indie music and uh and we miss him terribly he meant a lot to a lot of people a right. uh, great fantastic musician yeah absolutely and much like amy winehouse i really truly believe i really do believe that he was one of those artists that allowed us to look in on how he was feeling uh, uh, gave us a window to really the deep deep feelings even if it was deep deep depression he allowed he opened the doors for us to listen to his soul so to speak absolutely um and and that was a tough one i i do believe i remember that in early 2000s um Final two, Marvin Gaye, um, another tragic death, just really awful, um, you know, and someone that had a lot of family baggage, but at the same time, you know, sort of did his best to, to, to move through that. Um, 
an artist to me that seemed to be very sex positive, someone that wasn't afraid to put on, you know, lyrics or, or, or compose lyrics that were, I mean, they were suggestive, you know, let's get it on. Absolutely. Or, I mean, let's and, get it on. And I mean, to this day, I think people still, you know, reference that kind of thing. I mean, there was some stupid cheese pop song that came out last year that was like, let's be like Marvin Gaye and get it on. I mean, it, 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 it very, it's actually kind of a criminal of a song, but um it, but yeah i mean we we all know that that was that was kind of what he was known for and we respect him for it he meant so much to the r&b genre i mean the, he was so freaking good i know oh geez and he just had that he just had one of those voices you know it just was it was just soulful and you could feel it you could feel what he was trying to convey in his voice right i i, I don't know it just makes me sad thinking about him i know it, it, it was so tragic how he had to go right you know, it just it's just unfortunate that somebody else had to take that from from him. From exactly, because we would still be listening to the hottest Marvin Gaye track today. Right. Um. Can you imagine where where R and B would be today if Marvin Gaye was still around? Right. Oh God, the game would be so fire. Can you imagine having he, both Marvin Gaye and? Um, like R. Kelly. R. Kelly simultaneously. <laughs> oh, God, I would be pregnant. <laughs> I would be pregnant. <laughs> We'd all be pregnant. Uh, everybody would be pregnant. Maybe even throw Aaliyah in there and you'd have a you'd have a, a trio that's fantastic. <laughs> there you go. And let's hit the last artist, Selena. This is big. Uh, Matt actually came up with this one, which I think is, is uh, a telling thing about um, – Two guys, both Matt and I, growing up in North Texas and knowing about Selena. Not Selena Gomez, but Selena Quintanilla Perez. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt, I don't know about you, but I remember actually her death very well. I was in first grade. Yeah, it was it was sad. It was very sad. I mean, she was such a she was rising star so quickly for the Tejano community. Yeah, especially. well, not, it, not even just the Tejano community, but also she was breaking into the mainstream community, right? Or not community, but uh, music, right? And I mean, she just had vast potential, and it was exactly. ended so abruptly by an or, an awful a, rogue manager who just had an obsession with her. Yeah, it, it's so mm-hmm. sad. Um, you know, this the funny thing about the Selena death experience. I mean, uh, you know, let's talk about the death, and I guess then talk about the music. Um, she was very commercialized. There were a lot of people that made her fan club business a huge deal. Uh, and there were a lot of there are too many cooks in the kitchen. There was like her dad and her family, and then this rogue like person, um, you know, that just had an obsession. And then she was holding money back from the family, and then it just became really, really messy. Um, and then got to the point where she was um, she was basically stalking her, and then she cornered her in her hotel room, and that was just an ugly, ugly experience in Corpus Christi. Um, but I, I do want to talk though about her actual song. So. Um, I absolutely adore the song Bitty Bitty Bum Bum. I think everybody does. I mean, that's just so catchy. Yes. Uh, and another one that I personally would never really have found on my own, but one that's called Como La Flor. Um, it's, a, it's, a very, um, it's a very raw song. So if you don't speak Spanish, what she says is, Ay, 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 como me dueles. It's like, you know, she's speaking about how her love for this man has been so um, intense and raw and it's just, you know, capturing her emotions and feelings and how she's yet at the same time giving into it because for her that, you know, that pain is so, it, it is so worthwhile. Uh, yeah. Did you know as of 2017, she is still the top selling Latina artist in the world? I can't believe that. 
given how many Latino artists have come since her, like yeah. Shakira and, um, you know, Elvis Crespo and, and it, that's, that's just crazy to me. Yeah. And she's, she's about to get a, a star on the Hollywood walk of fame. So it's, I saw that. Yeah. It's awesome. Oh man. That's oh my amazing. God. Amazing. Yeah. Um, it, people knew, people knew about her in Texas. Um, we, we all, I remember going to, um, you know, my, my aunt and uncles for Easter and there was just Selena, uh, protests in the street. You know, they, people just wanted her, her assassin, uh, to, to just face the ultimate penalty for what she did. Um, yeah. but yeah, she was, uh, I mean, God bless you, Selena. We miss you every day. It's been over 20 years. Um, you're still very, you know, a big part of our hearts. And it's pretty cool yeah. if you ever get a chance to go to Corpus Christi and see her memorial down there. Oh, yeah. There's still people leaving flowers and stuff. It's very it – just, it's just you feel the power when you see it, how much someone means to so many people. You right. just feel that. Even if you don't really know their music or it's not, you know, relevant to you, you, you still just feel the – you still feel it for other people. It's really interesting. Right. Completely. So that actually wraps up all 14 of the artists that we wanted to cover today. David Bowie, Aaliyah, Janis Joplin, Prince, Michael Jackson, Kurt Cobain, George Michael, Amy Winehouse, Jimmy Morrison, Jimmy Hendrickson, Jimmy Hendrix, Elvis Presley, Elliot Smith, Marvin Gaye, and Selena. Whoo! That was a lot. Oh, yes. Yeah. And then, of course, we had our new music. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that a big... Thank you, and a round of applause goes out to Abby joining us clap, from Detroit. Clap, 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 clap. Yay! Thank you for having me. We Thank loved you for it. Calling in all the way from Michigan. This is this is the longest distance interview yet yet that we've done <laughs> on banter. Um, yes. And uh, we think that uh, you know we we definitely will be having some more guests come on board. Hopefully by then we'll have better equipment to to make it uh, the best that it can possibly be. And uh, without further ado, we will be signing off. Yes, and to get that equipment, just remember, we have, what is it called? Indiegogo. Uh, Indiegogo. Please uh, send us some money, and uh, we, will, we will keep banter coming to you, but this time with better microphones. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> have an awesome week. Thank you so much for listening. See you guys later. Bye, guys.